Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Hello there, Red and Blue Army. You're tuned into Red Legs Radio. Thanks to Climate Air Conditioning and Solar and the great team at Paradise Motors Mazda. Ben Hook in the chair as we look towards a semi-final clash with the Adelaide Crows at Adelaide Oval in the Sunday matinee time slot on the back of a stirring elimination final win over the Double Blues. I am joined by the SEN corporate climber, Miles Fitzner, who called the game for 1629 SENSA. And Miles... What did you make of the legs? Fantastic performance. Absolutely fantastic. An exciting game of footy. Called the game um, with Paul Bonds and uh, Chris Gowans. And uh, Gow said to me, he said, it's some of the most fun he's had um, at a game of footy in a long time. And for him to say that, it's obviously been in a few, but it was a very, very exciting game. We got up and got the win and and another tough ask again this week. You've called a number of games for uh, the legs, most uh, normally at Cooper's Stadium. What was it like, the view from way at the back of the Western Grandstand at Adelaide Oval? Yeah. Funnily enough, it's uh, I didn't realise how high up it was. Yes. And sort of at, at Cooper Stadium, I've called one from Elizabeth and one at North Adelaide, and and you're right on top of the footy. But when you're up there, I had to call the whole game through binoculars. Yeah, because it's too far to see. Do you have a monitor? Yeah, so there's a monitor directly above us. Yeah, but. Um, you, by the time you sort of look up and you can call off that, it's almost a little bit too far. Yeah. So uh, it's a direct feed from the ground, but you're a long way up. You know, on the far side of the ground, they look like ants, so you've got to be through the <laughs> binoculars. But it was an absolutely thrilling game of football. I mean, 31 goals kicked in, a, in an elimination final. Unreal. Uh, let's uh, go back to the early start of the game. Just a little bit inaccurate early? Yeah, they were. And I think Sturt put them under pressure. They actually came out quite aggressive. And so, you know, Aidan Riley put a lot of work into Grig off the ball. They got stuck in the boat. Uh, into boulders um, and they were really trying to rough up and sort of you know there was no score until about the 23 minute mark or something of the first quarter like it took a while um, but Sturt actually created that pressure they tackled really well and they they sort of went the man and roughed them up um, to Sturt's credit they did an extremely good job and then sort of after quarter time it all started to change well let's talk about what happened after quarter time because the light just flicked on for the legs five goals in the first half of that quarter and 36-point lead. Miles, you were probably a little bit like me and just thinking, how far the legs from here? It was, and I was saying in the call as we were going that uh, they got a fair way ahead, and, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't calling the fat lady, but I went, um, <laughs> they're going to need to, something has to change pretty quickly. It was uh, a fascinating game. They got right out, and Sturt just looked flat. I spoke to a few of the boys um, in the rooms before the game, and they were saying the key to cutting Sturt off is to cut off those short, that Hawthorne-style type of play, those they're, short They're a kick-mark kick. team. Yeah. Absolutely. And so uh, they've said to me that that if you see in the stats that Sturt are getting on top in the marks, then they'll be on top in the game. But if Norwood could close off that short uh, mark kick game, that they'd be on top. And that's exactly what they did. They sort of beat them on the outside, run and carry. You know, metres gained will be interesting. We'll talk about Barossa boys shortly. But um, once they got to the outside and it opened up, it... 
I, I thought, geez, how far? Like half time, this is getting getting pretty ordinary. Well, Double Blues kicked the last three before half time to bring it back to within, uh, well, a, a bit over two kicks. What were you thinking at half time? Because I was starting to think, my goodness, the legs have have got out to this fantastic run, just a little bit of a momentum shift, and Sturt really took full advantage of it. Yeah, well, after half time, we, we were saying to um, to Gowser in the commentary box that that obviously something happened because they came out and sort of attacked, but it sort of felt like Norwood had kicked one and then it just, well, we said on the on the call, it just started to rain goals. Absolutely rain goals, uh, especially even late in, in the third. Um, it was a sort of probably not the greatest spectacle up until halftime, but after halftime, I mean, that's a game you want to watch. We had high marks with, you know, Cam Sutcliffe just jumping at everything. Then you had huge tackles. You know, Aiden Riley on Matty Nunn ran him down. Lewis got collected high. You know, it was a game that had it all. It was unreal. Uh, one guy, Matthew Panos. I've changed his name. He's now Matt Panostradamus. He was magical in that second half. He was. Did the, the old uh, look away. I spoke to him afterwards when we went for a Barossa boy, of course, and a couple of Coopers. And uh, the old look away handball, if you watch that on replay, how he flicks the ball behind, he is genuinely, it didn't look over the shoulder to see if he was there. He just gave to the voice, blind over the back of the head, bang goal. I mean, some of the great goals were kicked. That third quarter, you know, um, Rabs Wilson kicked an absolute pearl, a snap yep. around the body, another one running into an open goal. Um, you know, we saw a big like, big bomb by Lewis Johnson. Bamps kicked another one later again, took the mark, wheeled around from 55. Brady Shepard on the line went, like it was, I'm grinning about it now. It was that good a game of footy. Um, if you weren't there uh, and and uh, and couldn't listen, go back and see if you can find some of the audio or go back on 7 Plus and watch the replay. It was just a really good game of footy. The Sturt fans were up in arms at the end of the game. The Sutcliffe mark, what, should it have been paid a mark? Look, I, I was calling at the time and, and uh, I... Might have said something along the lines of he had icicles in his hair, he was up that high. <laughs> it, it, it would have been one of the great marks I've seen in person. Um, there was, you know, we were talking about this off air about whether or not there was a push paid or, but apparently, so the boys say that someone got shents high at the back of the pack. Right. But when he landed, he was crook. But talk about X Factor. I mean, full credit. That'd be the best game that Sutcliffe's played. He was awesome, wasn't he? He just. If, if that had been paid, obviously, then, you know, they would have got within sort of, what, eight or nine points or something like that. Yeah, brought it, right it back down. to it within two kicks. Yeah, and but, yeah, he was the X factor. It reminded me, it was almost Gary Moorcroft-like on Brad Johnson. You know, he took mark of the century plus kick four in the quarter. Like, it was kick it to Sutcliffe. He burnt Brad at one stage, kicked a banana, then he went... <laughs> Flew it. He took three hangers for the day. A flight sent a high fly mark of the day, best in the air and everywhere. Isn't that right, Sam? <laughs> but we couldn't. They've got their money's worth flight sent out. We absolutely um, just pumped the hell out of him because he just flew at everything. Uh, very quickly, just want to ask you about, I thought our speed was really, really important. Matty Nunn was fantastic. Rabsy Wilson, Dylan Stevens, and Don Barry, probably his best game for the club. Don Barry's best game for the club. You're right. Um, the speed, outside speed was what carved them up when it happened. You know, goals out the back. Brady kicked one out of the goal square, one out the back. Um, a couple of other boys kicked them out the back. But what I was impressed with also was, which you don't see very often, is Cole Gerloff spread from the stoppage. And, you know, he's had the 25 and a pretty handy game. You know, I, I want to talk to you about this a little bit later, but as far as the side goes, Panos, Nunn and Grig have all had 15 possessions or less. Well, almost, well, not, had no influence, had a little bit of influence, but in the past, for Norwood to win games, those blokes had to get 25 each, did they not? Absolutely, but you turn around, Gerloff's had 25, Lewis has had 28, Don Barry had 28 and kicked 3-3. Mm. It's, what the great signs for us is that the superstars, 
you know, don't need to get 35 or 40 um, for us to be on. And that's what uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this Sunday. So much to talk about uh, ahead of this Sunday's game. Uh, before we get to the team for Sunday, I want you to come up with the Brossa Boy Wines, Brossa Boy of the Week. Thank you to Jess or well, the Burge family, who are just wonderful, wonderful people, Trent and Jess Burge. Absolutely. Trent overseas at the moment. Is Jess he? What's he doing? He's over in the UK. I've been Flo- following Flogging off a bit of product. He certainly has been, and going all right. A little cheeky bottle of Riesling he had there the other day. <laughs> uh, Barossa boy for the Burge family, of course, Dom Barry. He had 28, three goals, three, four tackles, three clearances. And if we had a metres gain stat, oh, my God, it... I don't know how many. He would have had five or six bounces for the game. Went between the 50s. He was unreal. Outside speed. Best game for the club. And uh, for him to be up and about in the finals, he, he could be looming as player of the finals. So congratulations to Don Barry. He wins our Barossa Boy Wines Boy of the Week. Get yourself to a local bottle shop and buy yourself a bottle of Barossa Boy Wines. You will not be disappointed. I have the team. And it is thank you to Coopers. And I've got great news for you, Norwood fans. We are unchanged going into the Sunday 12-15 game against the Adelaide Crows at Adelaide Oval. What a massive game it is. Let me share with you the entire team across the full-back line in the back pocket. Well, I tell you what, he has been a gun. The BMAC, Brad McKenzie. Full-back, Alex Giorgio. He will have a big job to do. Well, or maybe he won't have a big job to do against Darcy Fogarty. We might talk about that a little bit later on with Miles Fitzner calling the game for 1629 SENSA. Tommy Forster in the other back pocket. Across half-back, my goodness, this man was very, very important for us last weekend. That's Cam Shenton. Michael Talia at the key centre half-back position. And the boy had a very, very good game. My boy, of course, Zachy Richards on the other half-back flank. Across the middle, Louis Johnson on the wing. Mitchie Grigg, the Jewel McGarry medalist in the middle of the ground. And Dylan Stevens, who has been an outstanding four. Miles Fitzner, wonderful call of his goal by you Thank in you. that game. I don't know if we can get it, the audio of that up. We'll get it for next week. We'll get it for next week. An outstanding piece of commentary. Uh, uh, half forward is uh, D- Declan Hamilton. He's going to call him D- Dylan Hamilton. Declan Hamilton, uh, Cam Ball, and uh, Don Barry. Uh, that's our half forward line. And across deep in attack, Cole Gerloff, Brady Dorr, made his return last week and was just outstanding. Great game. He'll front up at full forward, played a wonderful game. And Peter Bampton, who was a real nuisance for the double blues in the pocket. Uh, on ball, big Sammy Balderstone had another outstanding game again. A lot of people thought he was best on ground last week. 57 hit out. He was just marvellous. He has been tireless all year. Matthew Panos in the old Ruck Rover position, as I like to call it. Matty Nunn uh, roving alongside with him. So that's our that's our big four in the middle. Balderstone, Panos, Nunn and Grigg. And then on the interchange bench, Joshy Richards, who has had a wonderful first year. Ed Smart will play his 100th game. He's starting on the pine, along with Anthony Rabs-Wilson. Uh, just one thing about this. We've named a 21. No naming a squad of 23. I reckon that's a bold statement from the club. Certainly is a bold statement. Look, Mitch Wilkins really unlucky. I know they left him out Um uh, last week because of a bit of height. They worried about a little bit of height. Campbell came in, did the job. You know, Mitchie's going to be around the mark. I think he'll be first emergency most games, in my opinion. Um, but uh, super unlucky. Competitive for spots. There's still a few blokes um, sneaking around. And, uh, yeah, it really, really competitive. But I like going in unchanged. I like naming it early and saying, you know what, this is who we are. Have yep. a crack at us. Yeah, no, no ducks and drakes here. Just uh, there's your 21. You've got to come up and beat us. And I tell you what, the team for the Crows is in as well. They have made a couple of changes. Kieran Strawn and Paul Hunter both into the side. They're the two ruckmen. Defender Jordan Butts comes back in along with Jai Ferrara and Mitch Johnson. Lockie Ryan is out with a hammy. You would guess facing an uphill battle to return for 2019. So there we are. That's our 21. Thanks to Coopers. Let's just park injuries for a minute. 
you mentioned Mitchie Wilkins. Could you see Luke Sermon or Cody Zust making a return to that side? They're both named in the reserves final, of course, or even Mac Bauer. Yeah, look, um, it depends on the defender. Mac's probably one of them. Maybe Cody, if they lose a forward, it all depends on positions. But Mitchie's next in line for mine. And look, the others, uh, look, I can't see Sermo playing. Um, Bodie's done. Um, for the season um, with that ankle and that medial ligament. So, yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be Wilkins and then Zust, then Bow for me. So much to talk about. Uh, we're about to go to a break. On the other side, we're going to get to our Paradise Motors opposer and a bit of a blast from the past. I caught up with Tommy Warhurst. He talked about the last time Norwood came from fifth and went on to win the flag way back in 84. Looking forward to sharing that with you and, of course, our big Violia match preview. It's Miles Fitzner and Ben Hook. You are listening to Red Leg Race. Red Legs Radio for Climate Air Conditioning and Paradise Motors Mazda. You're listening to Red Legs Radio with Miles and Hooky. Each week we ask a question on Twitter. Thanks to Paradise Motors Mazda, it is our Paradise Poser. The question, very simply this week, who has been Norwood's best first-year player? We gave you three options. Dylan Stevens, Cam Tahini and Josh Richards. Dylan Stevens, the overwhelming favourite, was 67%. Miles Fitzner, who do you think has been the... Number one player, number one first-year player for the leagues. Look, number one first-year player, interesting. Dylan Stevens, I'd have to agree. But also, you know, I'm a little bit left of centre. Yeah, Henry Crawford, I know he hasn't got a spot behind <laughs> Borfield. Hasn't got a game. I, I know. But but, but first-year, like, he probably might not even be there. He's a chance to get drafted, Crawford. On that basis, Dale Fleming's been the best-performed uh, player <laughs> on Red Legs Radio this year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was just throwing something different. Dylan Stevens is clearly the best first-year player. The two that we've other listed, Cam Tahini and Josh Richards, of course. But just throwing something out there. Henry Crawford, he's dominated the reserves, can't get a game because of the best ruckman in the comp by 240-odd hit-outs, um, and he probably won't be there next year, might get drafted as well, so good season by him. Hey, I, I tell you what, I'm a little bit partial to the family here, but Josh Ridges for me, he has been the biggest surprise of the year. The work he does without the ball, he can tag, uh, he's a great ch- chase-down tackler, I think he's got to be in the draft mix, what a bolter he has been, so I'm a big Josh Richards fan, you're a Dylan Stevens fan, you've gone with uh, the regular, what what, what my most people are thinking, which is fair enough. So thanks to everyone for taking part in our Paradise Motors poser. Well, from fifth position to a premiership, Miles, it's the prize Jarrah Cotton and his men are craving in three weeks' time. It actually played out last year with North Adelaide, but the first ever team to achieve the flag from fifth was Norwood, of course, way back in 1984. And yesterday, thanks to climate, air conditioning and solar, I shot the breeze with dual Norwood Premiership hero Tom Woolhurst to relive that amazing nine-point victory over raging hot favourites Port Adelaide in the 1984 SANFL Grand Final. Tom, 35 years ago, I think it was. Is it 35? <laughs> It must, 84, be, it must yeah. be 35 years ago. 35 years ago. <laughs> Any memories of 84? Uh, <clears throat> good memories. I mean, bad memories to start off with. I think we were like one and six or mm. uh, and well outside the five. And then we played Port, who were top and travelling very well, around eight or nine. And we had to win to keep our season alive. And we beat them and at night came at Footy Park. And then obviously we've... I reckon we've beaten them for a second time later that year and so we always were confident that if we could get there we were we had the team to beat them but of course we had to get there and um yeah we finished fifth after the minor round and uh can't remember how many games we won but fifth after the minor round and uh, went through um it was the, i reckon the first elimination final the first time we went to a final five was 73 
Was there any sense that, I mean, no side had done what you had done. Did you go into that final series with a genuine hope? Or? Uh, no, we were confident. Yeah. We, we, I reckon we won probably the last six minor round games in a row yeah. to make the five. So we're travelling pretty well. And there was no talk of history makers or anything like that. We just knew that if we were to win the grand final, we'd have to win uh, four more games. There's some famous moments in that grand final. You know, Keithy Thomas running yep. with the flight of the ball, Aishi down the outer side. What are some of your fondest memories? Um, oh, well, firstly, the, um, the pre-game. Um, I mean, in the change rooms, um, my recollection is that Ian Stasinowski concocted a, a bit of a plan between uh, Craig Baum and myself to uh, irritate, you know, get under uh, Tim Evans' skin because yeah. he was obviously a gun player. So that was all pretty well planned. And Tim took the took the carrot a bit before the uh, before the uh, before the game. So this was the national anthem where was, everyone was in position for the national anthem, and Barm and it was Craig Barm, wasn't it? Craig Barm and Tim Evans had a yeah. blue in the yeah. goal square. I can't remember exactly what Tim, uh, uh, sorry, what Craig said, but it was uh, it was all pre-planned, and it obviously got under his skin. Wow! And it was the last time that we ever stood next to each other during the. Uh, the national anthem. Yeah, um, change the rules. Change the rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, a really tense game. Port missed a couple of shots that they could have had, but we were we were either in touch or just in front at half time. But Port could have been two or three up at half time, and because uh, I think Tim probably kicked two six or three six with the game, which helped. But yeah, Keith Thomas is um, great. Mark going back. Um, yeah, Aishi's run. Uh, Neville Roberts's goals. Uh, Bruce Winter. Oh, that's right. I mean, um, you know, very early in the game, um, Port had been Port had been um, gifted a free kick. This was in the first two minutes of the game, about ten metres out from goal, and I think Dwayne Russell's had a big run up thirty metres and clean clean Bruce up because Bruce had cleaned him up earlier on the year, and the and the, the free was reversed. So I mean, that saved us six points. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, not many. <laughs> um, so, just with with regard to the game itself, I mean, three quarter time. Can you? I, I know it's a long time ago. Can you remember what Barmy was saying or any of those sorts of things? I know it's a long time ago. Uh, yeah, it's a long time ago. No, I, th- I think Barmy was always positive. Yeah, and I, I think we always thought we'd, we'd run over the top of them. You know, mm. they had a they had a fairly uh, older older team, and you know, Russell Ebert was playing and he was on one leg and we we Craig Bradley on the flip side was playing and he was pretty handy yeah but we we were if I remember rightly we, we always thought we were going to win yeah <laughs> yeah amazing isn't it yeah. what about the aftermath I mean the, the history making it was yeah you must there must have been a sense that even you were surprised with what you'd achieved yeah well um I mean going back to Norwood Oval was uh it was like um like the Beatles were in town to be honest <laughs> the, the old Wood Street um crossing from Wood Street from the grandstand into the social club was um, was incredible. We almost had to have bodyguards to get us to get us through. Yeah. And I can remember waiting under the downstairs in the grandstand. You know, Norwood Oval, if you can imagine, had you know five or thousand more people, and they were presenting the players one by one, and and they were getting agitated because no one had been presented. And I grabbed the trophy, the Stanley Hill Smith, and just walked up the stairs. Enough to get the trophy in everybody's eye line, and the roar's just gone off. And so I've 
I've snuck it back down again and 30 seconds later just lifted this trophy up again so everybody could see it and, the, and they've gone, gone nuts. Because it, was, uh, it was fantastic. To beat Port was the, you know, the, the best thing about it. Mm. Uh, second best thing was that we'd resurrected a season that was pretty ordinary early on yeah. and, um, and um, come, from, come from fifth. Because yeah. we had a strong side, 82. Uh, we were the best, clearly the best side. 83 was disappointing. Yeah. And 84 looked disappointing until we Just came home. Turned it around. Yeah. Last thing, mate, I, I don't know <laughs> to what extent you, you're following um, the, the present day side, but they're, they're one down, three to go. Yeah. Um, what, what's, what's key for them now? Is, um, it, can, is it easy to get, is it, can you get ahead of yourself? Um, no, I don't think they'll get ahead of themselves because no. I think they've had a pretty ordinary year I think they'd look back yeah. and say the previous three months have been disappointing yeah. now they're on a bit of a roll um, they've got some injuries unfortunately the captain Chase, Chase yeah. is, is out but, um, Will Abbott as well Will Abbott is, his knee yeah. is hurt Tommy Warhurst there joining us on Red Legs Radio it was great to have his contribution of course part of that wonderful 1984 team that took out the Sandful Premiership from 5th position let's get into our Violia match preview we take on the Adelaide Crows 12-15 Sunday at Adelaide Oval SEN will be calling the game with Miles Fitzner Miles what is the secret to knocking off the Crows? Uh, stopping the goals you've got to stop Stengel and Fogarty um, you've got to cut the goals off for them I think we can do that and then cutting off that midfield supply so Wilson Wright and Paholk is that how you say Paholki Paholki look very very good players they're young they're fast they're a good side the Crows I can't underrate them but uh, we've got to be on our game Cam Sutcliffe did a real strong tag on Patrick Wilson do you think we'll run some, someone with Patrick yeah I reckon it's a Bamps type run with mm. uh, Bamps or even maybe a Cole Gerloff but uh, yeah th- you've got to stop them because they're a good side don't underestimate them Norwood by uh, 25 points uh, Ed Smart 100th game you must be so pleased yeah, super pleased. Really important to the club. Two-time premiership player. Where's number 42? First in the club history, number 42 to play 100 games. So congratulations to Smarties of ripping bloke. 64 inside 50s they had to defend last week, so they did a good job. We've just got to work out a way of piercing their defence, I think. We certainly do. It's uh, We need the avenue to goal. We had multiple goal kickers with um, Dorr and Bampton, Wilson and Dom. This week we need Panos, Grigg. We've got to set that spread of goal kickers and we should be fine. Enjoy the call on SEN 1629 SA. Looking forward to this game. It's at 12.15 on Sunday at Adelaide Oval. Hope to see you there at the footy. Go the legs. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.